Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My guest today is Suzanne Shaw. Suzanne is a singer, actress and TV personality and is probably best known as being a member of the chart-topping band Hearsay in 2001, being the first reality TV pop band born from the show Pop Stars. She's also won Dancing on Ice, starred regularly in Emmerdale and has performed in numerous West End shows, including the role of Roxy Hart in Chicago. Originally from Bury in Manchester, performing has always been at the forefront for her from the age of three. And at the age of 19, she shot to fame selling 1.5 million records and holding the record for the fastest selling non-charitable single. However, this came with a lot of media scrutiny and played a big part in her 19-year battle with mental health. At the start of 2020, Suzanne completely changed her lifestyle, quitting alcohol, changing her diet, taking up running and studying nutrition, mindfulness and coaching. She then founded the Happy Health Club, an online community for people to enjoy learning more about the benefits of sober living, nutrition, movement and mindfulness, as well as her podcast, Dare to be Happy. She now lives with her husband, Sam, and their son, and as someone who continues to push her limits and demonstrates that through lifestyle and challenges, we are able to achieve anything with the right mindset. I'm so excited to chat to her today all about her sliding doors moments. So welcome to the podcast, Suzanne. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a lovely intro. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you for joining me today. So first of all, how are you? How's life going? 
Oh, yeah, it's really good. And I'm seeing it through very different eyes um, in recent years. So I can't complain. Um, life is great. And I'm just lapping it up and trying to stay in the moment and as present as possible. That's the best way to be. Um, and I'm going to have to start by asking you some questions about hearsay, because as yeah. someone that's a few years younger than you, I was fully a part of the hearsay hype growing up um, and very much was in that that kind of generation of we just sat and watched music videos all the time and I just remember as soon as you saw the flames coming up of the pure and simple video it was just on a million times so I'd love to take it back and be like what so you have been performing ever since a young age I know that's a really big part of kind of who you are and kind of such a big interest for you growing up what made you actually audition for pop stars um well actually it's a it's a funny story really because um I kind of auditioned a little bit by accident. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily um, something that I had kind of planned and decided that that was going to be my my path in life. So just to take you a little bit back, um, I started in the entertainment industry from quite a young age. Mm-hmm. Nine, I was in musical theatre shows professionally, and then at twelve, I um, I was in my first TV show. So I was um, a performing actor. Um, yeah. Uh, before I kind of got into Hearsay and I was regularly auditioning. At the time of auditioning for Hearsay, I was um, up for Maria in Coronation Street. I was Really? Oh my gosh. Uh, Funny, actually, it was uh, the finals. In the finals, it was myself, Kimberly Walsh and Sammy Alongchambon who plays the part. Really? Oh, that's so so funny. And I'm from Manchester as well. So for someone that's Manchester, getting a part in Coronation Street is like a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I I was gutted when I didn't get that part. And, um, And I was also auditioning for Godspell, the musical along with a Robson Green drama and I was getting to the finals um and then this this kind of advert popped up and it said do you want to be a pop star now at the time I was in an Abbey tribute band and um I was dating the guy from the Abbey tribute <laughs> band <laughs> and he was a lot older than me um obviously had daddy issues um but uh we he'd fired me he dumped me and fired me oh my god I was heartbroken I was like 18 years old yeah. and absolutely like heartbroken and just in absolute bits and I opened this paper and it said do you want to be a pop star and I was like yeah, I do. And my friend had called me who was also in this ABBA tribute band who couldn't stand the guy. And and she called me up and she said, do you want to go for this audition? And she asked me because she knew I was driving and I could give her a lift there. Ah, okay. Um, so uh, I, and I wasn't really going to go, but I think I was just in such a like bad way and I was like do you know what I'm gonna prove to him. I'm gonna show him. <laughs> uh, but actually never in a million years thought it would be my room. So I went for the audition along with like the time I was auditioning for Coronation Street, Robson Green Drama, um, uh, uh, Godspell the Musical. And so I had so much on my plate. And then I went to this audition. I dropped my nan off in Berry Market because yeah. I had to give her a lift first to Berry Market, <sighs> then picked up my friend. Then we stood in this queue for hours. And this was so unusual. It was a very different style of auditioning. And yeah. I was like, this would never happen before. I would never audition in front of the other auditionees. You would always be in a room with a table, a panel of people. Um, so it was so peculiar, this the way they were doing it. So we had no idea what it was about. And I remember sat listening to Nigel Lithgow and he said, um, 
So five people, we don't know whether it's going to be five girls, five boys, or a mixture of both mm-hmm. for a pop band, the next big pop band. You're going to get a million pound contract, record deal. You're going to live in a house in London. You know, this. T- you know, we're doing a TV show, so no doubt this is going to be a great hit. And he was talking, and I was just thinking, wow, these five people, it's just going to be amazing for them. That's <laughs> yeah. going to be epic. Never in a million years I thought it would be me because I kind of went just because I was so angry with my situation I thought my path in life would be acting or musical theatre I never thought I'd be in a pop band I think once I must have affirmated it when I was at a take that um oh we all did didn't we yeah Yeah. I was at a take that concert and Gary Barlow ran across the stage and pointed to me and this is at Manchester 9x arena and um and I was like, wow, I want to do that one day. That's so cool. <laughs> and literally three years later, I did that exact move across oh. and pointed to that area. So it's funny, really. It wasn't planned. It wasn't where I thought I would be going as a path in life. Um, but these things are funny, aren't they, really? They really are. And that's just an amazing story because I think, you know, it really shows that the amount of people that would have been stood in that line, that this was the dream for them and they would have slept, eaten, breathed, being a pop star. And sometimes when we show up to things and the pressure's taken off because, you know, you've got loads of other things going on, you can be a bit more of your authentic self and go through. And do you think that was probably what happened? I couldn't agree more, honestly. I think the times I have turned up to things with force um, and with force comes friction. And it just doesn't work and it doesn't align because you're going in with a certain energy that, you know, no matter whether you can consciously read it, we are all beings that are from energy source. Yeah. So people will sense that maybe there's something not right and you're not right for the job. But you're thinking, I've just, this is it. This is, I'm so desperate for it. It's the dream. And you watch these people on X Factor now and when they're begging for it, it's not right and it's not right because it's not their moment or they're just it's not their destiny to be a singer Mm -hmm. and I did the same like I went up for Emmerdale when I was probably about 17 up for a part and I was so desperate for it like so so desperate for this part I was like this is it this is the one this is the job the dream job that I want to get and I didn't get it and then years later and we're talking like 12 years 15 years later I showed up to Emmerdale audition. I didn't want it because I'd, I'd already got my visa to go to America, to go and do a pilot season in America. We'd had like jobs lined up and auditions lined up. And it was just, and I was doing a show at the time as well in Manchester. It was like before the show, I was tired. I was a little bit hungover, if I'm honest. And I showed up to the audition. I read it and they said, wow, that was great. Uh, do you want to read it again? I was like, I really don't have time. Thanks very much though. <laughs> and I went in with that. I'm not bothered. And I got it. I got the gig and I ended up being in Emmerdale then for 18 months. So you so, know that definitely works for you then when you don't want something, you're going to get it. So that's however, like a life lesson. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend that you go in really not asked though. <laughs> exactly. I definitely would say maybe for meet in the middle with that, that, uh, the way you kind of project yourself. A bit of a balance. Um, yeah. but I think it's really hard to, like think that hearsay were only together for 20 months it was a massive whirlwind for you guys and I'd love to ask you I know that you've spoken a lot about you know it was probably like the best and worst thing that happened to you but what would you say was kind of the best part of those 20 months and what was the worst part oh so I think um thinking about that quite it's a great question by the way um I mean 
when I when I wanted to be an entertainer, when I wanted to be in the industry, when I wanted to be famous, um, I didn't really know what that word meant. And but what it meant to me, if I were to sit down and actually break it down, was I want to sing, dance, and act. Mm-hmm. And getting into hearsay was a moment of going, oh, my God, I'm going to be a famous pop star. That is the ultimate dream. If there was ever to be one, that and a movie, Hollywood movie star. Um, And so I kind of went in with an expectation that it was just going to be fame, fortune equals happiness. Yeah. And when it didn't turn up like that for me and it was exposure, it was it was um, embarrassment, it was paranoia. Um, it was insecurities and none of it was equal into, um, to happiness. Mm-hmm. Certainly wasn't equal, equal into fortune. That was, yeah, sure. yeah. um, it, it kind of threw me. And I think when I was at my happiest in the band was when we were on tour and I was doing the job, I was singing, oh. I was dancing and I was performing and I had the crowds and, and I it was such it. a long tour as well. Oh, it was, we did like 50 odd dates, I think. Amazing. If I remember Oh, it might be 30 odd dates. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a lot of dates. I know we extended the dates because it was selling so well. And that was my I was in my element then. I was really thriving. I was enjoying my job. I was loving life. And I just remember it just being great. And I would definitely say that was 20% of the job, even maybe even less. Really? The rest it's interesting, was, isn't it? The rest was battle. It was politics. It was hard. It was interviews. It was it was doing things like I I didn't realize how much I would get frustrated and it would bring out my insecurities when I was doing a photo shoot made me feel very insecure doing a photo shoot particularly with two other attractive women particularly the pressures of photo shoots and if you had a male photographer and I remember one photo shoot for FHM him not being satisfied but saying you know we can airbrush this it'll be all right and feeling utterly yeah but, but but not having the integrity to go, no, don't airbrush me. And if you don't like me, don't have me on front of your cover yeah, if I'm not going to sell you though. magazines. You were so young. I know, I know. But in, in hindsight, you know, I think what I've learned along the way and when I reflect back on those days is that I didn't know what my values were. Therefore, I didn't hold on to my integrity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I was kind of pushed and pulled around. And, and it wasn't enjoyable. Um, it was a dream job. But a lot of the time it was really tough to navigate myself through it with insecurities flaring up, with public humiliations from from the press and with my identity. I just didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think, as you said, like, as we said before, it was the first time that this kind of, you know, recipe had had been put together of Mm -hmm. like, you know, a TV show, a band and you know, you were the guinea pigs, if I'm honest. And, you know, when the band split, you were only 21, which is still, again, so young. And I wanted to ask, do you think the band had more to give or do you think it was the best thing that you ended when you did? Oh, right then we had nothing to give. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should have ended when we did. I don't. I think it would have been great if there was a lot more communication from Kim before she left the band so it didn't end that way. I think they... I think we very quickly, because we were we were, we were like overnight success, really. So we ended up doing a lot. We were burnt out. Yeah. There was no one to look after our, our mental and physical health. We were just, we were used for a money-making machine, which I get. And that was how it was back then. Now I think there'd be a lot of more mindfulness. The 
the approach to the situation. But I think we could have taken a little bit longer to grow and develop as a band, yeah. slowed the pace down a little bit, taken a break before Kim left. Um, and even if she had have decided, then that was for her. I think we could have pursued on, on as a four because I thought it was really unfair. We brought Johnny in again, somebody who thought they'd won the lottery, was about to have this career and, and he came into nothing but broken people who were traumatised from what had happened, yeah. angry, bitter. And his time was not enjoyable and he earned zero money. And he, you know, he got nothing from this apart yeah. from just the wrath of everything that we kind of been through. So we had nothing left to give, but I think if we'd have taken a break earlier or decided to proceed as a four with a break, then maybe we could have come back a lot stronger and with a different outlook. Yeah, and, and you know, listen, you had amazing music, amazing albums, amazing fans, but you you learn from all these experiences, mm. as you say, and it, it's not nice that you had to go through it, but as you say, you've, you must have taken so much. And did you take a lot of kind of really understanding from you what being a performer meant and knowing that where you were your happiest, what you kind of wanted out of that fame as such that mm. you were searching for when you were younger? Yeah, I think I'm yet to identify what I kind of got from it. Um, really, because I think it was, wasn't until later on in life that I really knew what I wanted as a performer mm-hmm. um, and what really, you know, rocked my boat. Yeah. And what is that? Theatre, through yeah. and through. It really is. You know, I just love it. I love getting in. Because with the, the difference with theatre and TV is you've got this real great rehearsal period mm-hmm. to curate your character and really work on it and take your time and... And then, unless you're in like a really rushed period of getting a show up and running very quickly, but it's a really lovely process. And then you even have time to expand on it during a run. So you might be doing, you know, a show for anywhere between three to six to 12 months, a contract. And um, you can really get to understand that character inside out and enjoy different audiences and what it brings to different people. Uh, whereas TV, it's very instant. It's very quick. Yeah. There is no time to really think. You've just got to know your lines and be that person. Um, both equally fantastic. Well, both great, but, you know, at the same, I think just theatre for me. Just yeah, and I guess you can grow. You can grow the character as well, can't you? Like, as yeah. you say, you can adapt and feel different things mm. and do different things. And I think we're all still searching for what makes us tick, but it's good yeah. that you've kind of found it sudden. And are you all still friends from the band? Because I think, you know, you're the yeah. only ones that went through what you did. So you must have this just like really unique connection. I We do. We do, you know. Um, but I think what the shame is, is we we're not close. I've got to be mm. honest, we're not and um some more than others um but i think what happens is when we're in a room together um we hold a mirror up to each other and remind yeah. each other of our pasts and i think that's hard for us to be friends mm-hmm. however we can't also we 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 can't not have each other because there, there's only four people in my life who knows what that feels like to be in that Definitely. band no brother sister mother partner you know uh, son daughter is ever going to understand what that time of my life was like for me apart from those four other people but it's hard to almost you know be with each other because it was a tough time yeah. so we do see each other we do mm-hmm. talk but our our friendships are probably not 
in a traditional sense. Yeah, which is, I think, absolutely fine. I think the fact that, mm. as you say, you can still be together and know that yeah. you went through what you did. Um, and I also, finally, my last hearsay question is, what was yeah. your favourite hearsay song? I'd love to know. <laughs> oh, do you know... I have a favourite. Do you? I mean, I loved Way To Your Love. Um, there, there, was, there was some in, like, the later albums that were were really really cool and fantastic there was one called breathe that i really liked mm -hmm. it was really cool because i love singing and dancing it was one routine we could really dance to um but you know what i just don't think we can ever take pure and simple away oh, never <laughs> and i think i like pure and simple for different reasons because actually that one was that the one that reached most people and most people enjoy it. I think now more than anything, you know, every wedding I've been to in the last like few months, I've, <laughs> I've ended up singing pure and simple. And like, oh, I've I never seen that. the crowd go so wild. It's like being back in the band. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. My favourite is Another Lover. It still features oh, yeah. in some of my plays. And again, like it just, it takes me back to that time in my life. And yeah. it's a brilliant song. And I think, you know, it's, it just, it just brings back lovely memories for oh, me. So. I love you've chosen that one. Yeah. I remember the exact studio where we were when we recorded that song. Um, oh my God, that's amazing. There you go. Yeah. So before we go on to talking about your Slime Doors moments, I want to ask you, firstly, have you ever seen the film? And secondly, what's your thoughts on the theory of sliding doors? So the theory that everything happens for a reason. Do you think it's fate, timing, coincidence? Or do you think we've got a path that's fully built for us? What, what do you believe? Well, firstly, I love the film. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And Great. I think this theme to the podcast is fantastic. I wish I had a thought of it because it is <laughs> a brilliant theme and I'm just honoured to be a part of this. Um, but yeah, sliding doors. I do think that... Um, so my, my theory behind it and my thoughts behind it is that we do take paths and we're on those paths. And if we're learning the lessons, then we'll go on to another path. Mm -hmm. And And I think that... Sliding doors for me is like a metaphor that if you are not changing those paths in life or learning from things that you need to learn from, they'll keep showing up in your life. Yeah. I love this quote, grow or life will make you grow. And so, you know, if I'm to take a path that, you know, is, is almost from intuition, then that's the path that is going to serve me the best if I'm mm -hmm. constantly coming at it from trying to predict the outcome. <clears throat> It's not going to serve me great. So I think sometimes, you know, life throws us curveballs and it's if we listen to them or not. Um, but I just love, I love it, the sliding doors theme and the concept to it all. And I love oh. delving into what this may may be. The oh, great. Well, that's why you're yeah. a brilliant guest because that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. And it, it, you're right. Like, and I think that it's, it's the difference between kind of following your intuition and knowing that you've made the decision to do something. But also the quote you said is also great because as you say, like life's going to throw things at you and you've just mm. got to, it's the way that you see them. And what we love to do on this podcast is reflect back because I think often we don't reflect back to yeah. understand the stepping stones that got us to where we did. Bad yeah. moments can be good moments and yeah. vice versa. Um, so we'll get right into it. So your yeah. first sliding doors moment is changing my lifestyle. So the biggest being uh, quitting booze is the best decision of your life. Yeah. You said that when you were drinking, you made some pretty bad decisions, attracted some toxic people. Yeah. So... Explain how this was a sliding doors moment for you and what was the catalyst that really led you to quit drinking in the first place? 
Um, I think there were a few things. I think when my dad died in 2012, that's when my drinking habits and my relationship to alcohol started to take another level of like, this isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't identify as an addict and I couldn't identify as an addict because I just didn't see myself in a light of, I I was able, I had willpower to stop for a certain amount of time, but I didn't know how to then go to, I didn't have the building blocks in places for when the willpower ran out to then be able to continue. So I just needed to kind of find some more tools myself. So I couldn't identify it as an addict, but at the same time, I couldn't moderate. So I was in this like middle lane drinker, this gray area. And I and I wasn't really seeing anybody out there talk about it. And when you do say that you're quitting drinking, often you are um, presented with the question, didn't realise you had a problem, Yeah, uh, which I was quite a lot. And when I said, well, I don't, then people would say, well, why have you quit? And purely because I, I just wanted a better life for myself mm-hmm. because I didn't function very well when I did drink. Um, and certainly the day after I didn't function very well. Um, my anxiety was bad. My depression was bad. And that would, it wouldn't even matter whether it was one drink I had or, you know, two bottles. Yeah. It didn't matter what it was. I just didn't, I didn't suit it. It wasn't for me, alcohol. Um, and so it was kind of like, so when my dad died in 2012, um, I kind of started to, I fell out of love with performing. It was almost like, because I think, I don't know whether it's because he was such a driver for my career, whether a part of my passion died with him mm-hmm. or whether it was just that trauma going through watching your dad die and the process of that just was so much. I just couldn't cope with anything else in life. Everything just kind of became very black and white. The colour had kind of sucked out of uh, out yeah. of my life. So um, it was just, I think from 2012 to 2019 just this progression of not feeling great coming from a certain vibration where I was attracting negative people who very very similar to me in a very dark place yeah um I was um just very confused didn't know what I wanted in my life um wasn't getting as many jobs in as I used to again because I was coming off this vibration that wasn't attracting anything yeah didn't see it at the time but I was so angry with the world everything I was just so bitter and angry and it brings bitterness and angriness towards you as well yeah and then kind of within like uh like 2018 through 2019 I went into business with somebody and it just was very toxic and it wasn't great and it ended so badly And I knew that my drinking habits had a part to play in that. And I knew that I, I would, I could, because I struggled to be around this person, but then other people in my life too, I, um, I drank to be able to entertain people and to be able to speak to people. Um, and then I go off and get fit and healthy and then, I was like, what am I doing? And I just knew my gut was going, you shouldn't be doing this and being around these people. This isn't right for you. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it kind of, it came to an end anyway, a very bad ending. And I just thought, I just need to, I need to knock this on the head. I need to stop drinking. I know that is going to be the making of me if I was Mm. wanting to get my life back on track and stop being, seeing everything through negativity and darkness. Um, So that was the first thing. Um, And... And then that 
just kind of spanned on to like sorting out my nutrition and then sorting out my um, health, like my overall health and prioritizing it. And I just went on this amazing self-discovery. And it started by just stopping, kind of putting like the the misty glasses on to life and just starting to clear that cloud and get it away from me and starting to become a better person and a nicer, kinder person to myself. I had to start loving myself. And I know that that gets battered around so much. No, but it's very true. But when you do go on that journey... Or even like yourself. I think that's the thing for me is it's not even... Like, love is quite hard, but to even like yourself is often quite... You know, that's the first step. Yeah, and I and I do think you you really can't show up for other people and present yourself to the world with compassion and kindness if you hate yourself so much. Um, and so daily now, I really do talk to myself lovely rather like rather than a piece of crap like I used to. Yeah, um, because it makes such a difference, and I just see the world so differently now. Yeah, it's amazing. And was there was there a moment when you had changed your lifestyle and quit drinking where you were like, oh my God, I know why I've done this. Like, do you remember like a feeling of being like, this is the right thing, I should have done this? Yeah, I mean, I think every kind of day or week or month that passes, it gets more kind of prominent, the reason why I did it. Mm-hmm. It's hard the first month. Uh, the first three months are, are difficult. It's not easy, but you've got to want to do it. And for me... Um, it just got to the point where I'd had enough, enough was enough. I I say this a lot. It it just got to the point where that rock was just too sharp that I was sat on and I had to get off it and Mm. do something about it. And it was enough was enough. And I had to, and I knew I, I, I had to stop searching for my happiness externally through drink, through friendships, relationships, through other people validating me, whether it was on a stage, through my job, mm-hmm. um, through clothes, through a car, through holidays, through a house, you know, I, I had to start working on myself. Yeah. Um, when I could start, when I realised that and said, all right, I've got to put the work in and it's not going to be easy. But, you know, it's, it's about time I put my big girl pants on and do something about this. Yeah. Um, instead of sitting in pity land, being the victim. And I was the victim for so long. Because you have no control. Like, and I think, and you know, you said before that, you know, willpower was the thing that you found quite hard when you kind of were drinking, not drinking. What, what really kind of helped drive the willpower when you did stop? Because, you know, you make it sound like it was quite an easy thing for you to Mm. stop and get new, get, change your lifestyle. But I'm guessing it was quite a journey for you. And I'm just thinking, and I know this is very much, which we'll talk about in a minute about them, the Happy Health Club, but what kind of helped you this time with your willpower? Well, I think willpower will only get you so far. It's never going to be, you know, when people say you've got a really strong willpower. Well, everyone's got a willpower. We all wake up, we're all able to go, right, Monday, I'm going to start it. Some people's willpower lasts longer and it just depends on how determined you are. And then from that willpower, which will last you, it might last you to the afternoon, it might last you through to the week, it might last you through to the month. Um, You've got to put the tools in place. You've got Mm -hmm. to have the understanding and the knowledge of where you went wrong before from reflection of what it's actually doing to your life and do a deep dive into what it is you want to fix. Because willpower is just that, right, I'm ready, I'm determined, there we go. And then it goes. And then if you haven't got those layers 
of understanding to turn to, your willpower will eventually run out. Yeah. And so that's what I'd noticed before when I couldn't do it. I'd tried two years previous quitting alcohol and it was just through pure will. And everyone would go, you've got a really strong willpower because it did last, you know, sometimes yeah. a month, sometimes two months, but it did eventually run out. Whereas this time, I, of course, I had the willpower to start it, but I'd had the everything else that came with it. And I had this knowledge this time because I did my research. I looked yeah. at the areas that I was going wrong in and, and questioned myself and, you know, really started to unpick what it was. And not a lot of people want to do that because it's painful. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally understand it. It can really hurt having to unpick where it is and, and being honest with yourself why you fucked up. Mm-hmm. Of <laughs> course, know? yeah. Um, so I think that's what was different this time is that I was able to um, to just do the, the work that was a lot harder. Um, yeah. To, to help me sustain this life and and then then when you do unpick it and you do get uncomfortable you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and you realize that actually it's not that hard like anything you do in life it's never as hard as your mind yeah. tells you it is um you start to go on this incredible journey of self-awareness and then you will never tap into willpower to need anything because they're just simply choices that you yeah. make, whether you want a better time of your life or you don't. And sometimes I make the choices, most of the time I make the choices that will, um, you know, lift my life. Sometimes there's human in me, you know, I make the choices that don't. Um, and and, and that's, that's where I am. Oh, I love that so much. And when did you then get the spark then to start the Happy Health Club? Because, you know, it's one thing you personally going through this journey, but then you've mm. got to open up to other people. And like yeah. the fact that then you want to help other people go through what you're going through. When did you get the spark to start it? Well, so during lockdown, obviously I'd shared my journey of that I'd done three months sober um, and that I'd gone plant-based and I'd taken up running and I took very, very openly talked about my mental health and I was really nervous about talking about it because I didn't know how it was going to come across to other people. I was still very much concerned about what other people thought back then. Um, but the, the influx of messages that I got was just insane and yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, of course I had a few trolls in there. Um, you know, people, you know, questioning whether, you know, my mental health was, you know, validated or not. Mm. Um, but then most of the people were curious, but very, very curious about um, how I was able to quit alcohol. Um, and I kept getting messages through and I, I try my best and I really do try my best to answer all my DMs. Um, and I was spending ages like answering my DMs and answering them. And then I thought, well, do you know what? Let me just start talking about this more online then. So it answers people's questions rather than me spending hours. Yeah, individually you know, Individually everyone, going yeah. through everything. And then I can direct people to go, yep, yeah, heard your message. Thank you for getting in contact. Go and see this post. Yeah. So then I started to put this schedule together of we do cook-alongs with um, either chefs or nutritionists or other famous people or, you know, people who um, were very passionate about cooking. Um, and then um, I started to do workouts with friends of mine who were PTs, who I just love and adored and I really validate that valued their work. Yeah. And then um, I started to openly talk about alcohol and do something called Happy to Chat Tuesdays. Um, we talk about mental health and, you know, sometimes it would be... Um, specifically focused on going alcohol free 
And so it was kind of ticking the boxes for people of what the questions they wanted to hear, whether it be about alcohol, about plant-based living or about my running journey. And then from there, I thought, wouldn't it be great to not just be doing this online, but have a dedicated community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because not everybody wanted to hear about the cook-alongs and the, you know, the people wanted to hear about a variety of different things. So I just thought, well, let's make a space for for it. And then that's where the Happy Health Club was born. And, you know, we, we've had like over 300 people take our, our um, challenges now. We've got 2,000 subscribers. Amazing. We've now got 45 members. And we only launched about... <laughs> two weeks ago the the monthly membership who would enjoying these things and we do all sorts of stuff and, and the usp really to the happy health club is introducing these amazing experts who i found out there yeah. talking the language that i wanted to hear and and i and i just thought i wanted to hold a space for what i wanted when i first went on this journey and that's what we do you know we we cover plant-based living we cover alcohol free we have you know sobriety sessions where it's not it's not aa you know, people don't have to go to AA or yeah, again, exactly. like I said, identify as an addict to quit alcohol. So it's a space we can talk about this and we bring in um, other people who've gone alcohol free or we just chat amongst ourselves. We have cook-alongs, we have experts come in to talk about all different range of things. I think this one we're having an astrology month. So we've got oh. somebody coming in talking about astrology. So there's not just the plant-based, the alcohol-free yeah. and, the, and, the, and the fitness. We cover all sorts of different things to do with well-being, mindset, mindfulness, health, fitness. It's just a plethora. It's just a, a happy health hub. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. And also, you know, I think you, when you think, I love how things, when things organically grow and Mm -hmm. grow from authenticity, that's when they have the biggest impact. Like, Mm. you know, whether you have, whether you help one person today, 20 people or a thousand people, you're still helping people. And what I love about the way you described how how the idea came to fruition is, you know, we don't, it's quite a hard thing to sit and be like, I'm going to start, you know, a community or a company. Like, who am I to say what, what anything is? But when you're just talking about something that's so authentic to you and helped you, that's when you hit the nail on the head and no matter if a million other people are doing the same thing they're not you and they're not kind of unique and you're your usp because you've been through it and other people will help and i think after the pandemic we all searched for community in some way shape or form um and it's a brilliant sliding doors moment because i think that you know not only quitting alcohol and kind of change your lifestyle helped you Mm. but if you hadn't have quit alcohol and change your lifestyle you then wouldn't have started the Happy Health Club and yeah. you then won't be helping other people. So it's it's a really lovely, you know, yeah. sign doors moment in that sense. And, and and I think just to point out something you said there, and I think it's very important for anyone who's listening to understand this, is like when I was a kid, I learned how to sing, dance and act. And I was learning that because it was a desire of mine and that's what I wanted to do. And now my desire is to delve into learning about wellness, whether it's health, fitness, well-being, And that's what I love to do. But people are scared to do that because they're in a box and they're told to stay in that box. But every single day, we're a different human being. We've grown different cells. We are not the same person. So you are entitled without any judgment from anyone to do the hell with your life what you like. So if tomorrow you wanted to be a lawyer and you were somebody who was a shop owner or, you know, 
whatever your job was, you are entitled without scared of judgment or wondering what other anybody else is thinking to change and do something differently and step into a new way of living. You don't, don't be afraid of not doing that because of, well, I'm, you know, I'm a shopkeeper and that's what, you know, I'm known to do. And everyone's going to judge me if I, if I want to be a lawyer, don't be a lawyer because you're a completely different human being to what you were yesterday. Anyway, fact, science, fact, you're a different person. So you can do whatever you want. I fully agree. And you know what? Anything is possible. We can all be whatever we want to be. It takes hard work. It takes dedication, Mm -hmm. a bit of luck, but nothing if you want to be a lawyer I love that one you can be and before we go on to our next one it's not a nice question for me to ask but I have to ask it please do do. you ever think about how your life would be now if you hadn't have quit drinking so thinking about that sliding doors moment if you hadn't have changed your lifestyle when you did or if you hadn't have changed this at all do you think about where your life would be now yeah um it wouldn't be very happy um I'm not sure how I would have got through the pandemic with probably without ruining everything and and my family wouldn't have been a nice time for them and it I dread to think about it but it's good to think about it um but yeah I think I think the reason like I didn't ever get up in the morning and drink first thing and have whiskey on my cereal was because you know I had a job and I had responsibilities and I had a school run to do take that away would I have done if I would have been still in that land of self-pity possibly yeah and that that does worry me and I'm glad that I didn't find it get use a get out of jail free card and go well you know I've done three months and it's you know pandemic no one's gonna know I'll quit drink you know I'll start drinking again um because I don't know where my life would be if I'm completely honest um but I was able to cope in what was the most uncertain time of my life because the entertainment industry like most industries were completely decimated there was just nothing, zero work. And even now I hear from my friends finding it really difficult to get work because still things are struggling to get up and running. Um, so yeah, God knows where I'd be. And, and also it showed you your strength. And I think yeah. that's definitely what um, you do with the Happy, Happy Health Club. And yeah. hopefully if anyone is feeling kind of how you were, they can come and kind of yeah. talk to you guys and do all that. So that's a brilliant sign doors moment. And we'll go into your second one now, which is um, your relationship was with Darren was quite controversial at the start and didn't feel the right thing to do. But for some reason at the time, you felt like you were almost forced into it. However, you wouldn't have had your the most glorious son um, if you hadn't have made those initial mistakes. Now, this is a really relatable moment, I think, for a mm-hmm. lot of people because a lot of people have relationship breakdowns, but the children that kind of come out of that can make them realise that's the reason why it happened. So do you want to explain why this is a sliding doors moment for you and kind of how yeah. kind of that whole relationship started? Yeah, yeah, of course. And this isn't a proud moment uh, for anyone listening for me. So it's taken a bit of guts to kind of be own this uh, story. Um, so Darren and I were in a show together. So after Hearsay finished, I went into um, a, a show called Summer Holiday. Kind of went back to my roots and, and went back to oh, theatre, which Richard's I absolutely... my favourite, so <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it. And this show um, was fantastic. It was a lovely show and we were on the road and it was brilliant. And then um, they brought in Darren to take over the second part of the show. Now, Darren obviously does come with a reputation, Darren Day, for those who are listening, um, you know, was known as the love rat um, through many relationships of starting them and breaking them up. Um, 
I at the time was in a relationship with my uh, ex fiance, um, and he was a music producer. And we kind of got together very quickly. Mm-hmm. And if I'm completely honest, I got with him because I was searching for happiness externally and was yeah. lonely. And I didn't have many friends at that time down in London apart from the band, but was we were so fractured and mistrusting of each other that it was hard to find friendship and love amongst each other. And so I, um, I was, I was with Terry and, um, we got engaged like within like, I don't know, we'd be dating three weeks and we got engaged and yeah, it was just a whirlwind and it was just because I wanted to be loved and wanted and didn't want to feel alone. And Terry was fun. He was great. But was I ever in love with him? No, I wasn't. He was a friend and he would probably be a really good mate now if we had never have got together, Yeah, which is a shame. But, you know, these are these things I was, you know, was 19 years old at the time, 20. I was 20 years old at the time because I remember my 21st birthday with him. And um, so I was on the road and I knew it wasn't right and I was trying to find the right time to break off and I had a few conversations but he was like no we can fix it it's because you're on the road I was like no it's because we got engaged way too early and we're mates we're not we're not meant to be together like that Mm -hmm. anyway so Darren came into the show and as you can imagine you know you play in a love romance amongst each other I wasn't necessarily attracted to him straight away but maybe I just kind of liked the excitement and the yeah the I don't know I kind of liked to play with fire back in those days and I had a little bit of a self-destruct button I was a I was a fun party girl who would dance on the tables and you can just imagine the type of person that I was and so um yeah I we got together very controversially uh, but at the time I was being phone hacked and we had a lot of people following us and so Unfortunately, the papers got a hold of it and um, put it all through the press, which really hurt a lot of people, which was including my ex-fiance, who I hadn't quite broke up with, and mm-hmm. he had to see it all. Um, and I'm deeply, like, sorry for all of that, um, what I put him through. And um, and so it was out, and there was no kind of chance to kind of figure out whether it was what I wanted Again, just trying to grasp onto life. I've been through yeah. this whirlwind, like this constant public humiliation. Then I'm self-destructing, I'm pressing self-destructions and I'm doing stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing because it will end up in the papers. But it was like, oh, God, I'll just do it anyway. See, yeah, it's really fix, how much I can damage sometimes. my life. Yeah. yeah, it was insane. I mean, just crazy. Um, I couldn't just go for the peaceful life. Um, and so that was it we kind of had to make our bed and lie in it or it's going to be like a lot of pain for no reason you know we've hurt a lot of people and um and it wasn't nice and I'm really embarrassed like you know I behaved in that way but we did get together and I remember thinking I don't even know if I want to be with you but now it's out we have to be together yeah or else you know so anyway we did and then um at the time I had a, a PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so I was told I couldn't have kids and wow. I hadn't had a period for quite, you know, really? about a year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so um, when I fell pregnant with Corey, it was a real shock because I'd been on these tablets to try and help me with the, the cyst on my ovaries. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a real shock that that even happened. Um and one that obviously is probably meant well I 100% know was meant to be in my life yeah um but the relationship wasn't um but I certainly do believe that 
it all happened. I had to be with Darren. I had to have that self-destruct part of me mm-hmm. inside me um, to be with Darren to then get Corey. And I think Corey's there and he he was there to save both Darren and I mm-hmm. and help us and certainly make me a much better person. And um, I needed, I think I'd, at that time in my life, I needed to be a mum. I needed something to ground me and to focus me and to make me wake up, which I, you know, which I did. And, you know, unfortunately it took Darren a little bit longer, yeah. um, but you know, it is what it is. And, and Darren left and I don't ever have any anger or upset towards him. Certainly not anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I just truly believe Corey was meant to be in the world and, playing his part in the world not just for me but for so many people he is adored and he's just the most amazing human being I've never touched wood had any problems with him yeah he's always been an amazing person and he's always pulled me up as well if I've been in the wrong um you know I heard somebody say something um uh, at the weekend which was uh you know your children are you know, imagine an iPhone and you're like the last model and then your children will always be the iPhone 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, you are the dated model. So don't <laughs> yeah. question what your child brings. Sometimes you have to sit and listen, of course, guide them away from the, the the traffic and the fires and the, you know, to help them. But ultimately they're always going to be a better version than you. And by far is a better version than me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, this is such a brilliant moment because you, you've answered a question I was going to ask you, which is the fact that you already, I mean, obviously, you know, it happened for a reason, you got your son, but the fact that you say kind of that you really, both of you realised that that was the reason why you both came together, mm. you mm. both needed it. And, you know, do you think, you know, how did being a mum then at that time really like help guide you through at that age and what you were going through? I think it taught me unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never experienced love before. And I think it made me realise that, um, you know, it, you've got to really love somebody to be in it for the long run. And whereas before I just was looking for, I didn't know what I was looking for because I didn't know who I was. And yeah. to be honest, I didn't for a long time, even after kind of being a mum. But I just knew being a mum was something that I needed and I loved. I love being a mum. I love having children. And when Aunt Corey was born, that fill of unconditional love, that was love at first sight I'd never experienced before. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just so overpowering that it just it made me sit up and take notice and start, you know, being responsible. Um and that was my my road to just like yeah it's time to start being a, a little bit more responsible and let's like have less of this self-destruct button yeah well it's like the self-destruct button is the reason why you had him and then he was the reason yeah. why you kind of pull back slightly and yeah. i mean apart from your son how different do you think your life would have been without having this relationship so are there other things that kind of if you hadn't have met darren at all that did it change you in a lot of other ways probably like in terms of i don't know like as you say the whole media scrutiny and what happened with your ex-fiance like did do you feel like you did learn a lot from that and things would have been very different for you if you hadn't have, like would you have maybe married married him the other your ex-fiance if you hadn't have met Darren yeah I probably would have ended up just going along with it and maybe, maybe I wouldn't I know because it was it was pretty much like coming to the end before yeah. Darren and yeah, I got together so actually probably not 
Um, but certainly, you know, I may not have, well, I just know I never would have had Corey, yeah. that's for sure. Um, but it, it has made me learn a lot and it still does um, make me learn a lot. And, you know, even it's just in recent times, you know, even when, you know, they say people will show up in your life if you need to learn something. And Darren's always been there and he's always showed up to teach me something. Mm-hmm whether, you know, I thought it or not at the time and whether I agreed with his behaviour or not, he was there. He's been always there to teach me something about myself that I need to do some work on. And um, and I suppose, you know, that's all been a part of it as well. It's not just Darren and I getting together just to have Corey. It's about, you know, us all having to teach each other some kind of lesson and that's why we've ended up having to be in each other's lives forever, not yeah. just for a short amount of time. Yeah. And um and yeah, I think I've learned so much from that time and that relationship. Certainly what I I wanted and what I didn't want, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, and it's so great that you can say that now because I think a lot of people search for that when they go through breakups yeah. with, you know, um ex relationships and the yeah. fact that you can see why he's yeah. in your life is brilliant. Um So we're going to your last moment. So your last moment is, I very nearly didn't go out for one of our last night parties on a show I was performing in. If I hadn't, I wouldn't have met my partner in a bar in Norwich. So this is my kind of sliding doors moment. I love this. this is a real sliding doors Um, So take us back to that night, explain what happened and explain how you guys met. Okay, so this is the ultimate sliding doors. I was on the road with a a show called Funny Peculiar. And my dad had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, brain cancer um which was stage four so it was mm-hmm. it was like a, a really big shock to the family so I wasn't quite myself in this show I wasn't really that great to be around either um and yeah we as the cast would often go out after like on a, one of the final nights of that particular city that we were in we'd go and have some drinks Often um, I wouldn't really want to join everybody because I just wasn't feeling sociable. I was also going through a divorce at the time with my ex-husband. So it was really a crummy time, um, to say the least, probably one of the worst years of my life. Um, um, And I went to this bar. It was like I was literally dragged out kicking and screaming. I can't tell you how much I didn't want to go. My mum had come to visit as well because she was looking after Corey because Corey was with me in Norwich. And, um, yeah, in the end, I just thought, all oh, right, then I'll just go. I'll just go. I'll just stay out for a bit. But but me knowing that I couldn't moderate, I just knew I was going to get <laughs> so drunk. Um, so, yeah, we were in this uh, this bar in Norwich and there was a group of lads there and one of them came over and said, can I buy you a drink? I was actually stood outside having a cigarette. <laughs> and he came out and he was like, yeah, can I get you a drink? And honestly, I can't tell you my disdain for men at that point because I was going. I was going to say, where were you mentally with yeah. kind of men? Yeah, like, no, no, absolutely yeah. not. And I was like, no, not interested. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? You can buy me a drink, but don't think it's going to like, like. You're not going to get my number from this. So if oh, you want to waste your money, you can. And he did. He still got me a drink, and I was so blunt with him, like to the point. And um, yeah, he did. And then he came, he came chatting. He came actually with the group that we were with and started chatting to us for a while. And then that was that. He kind of left and we went um, off to another bar and like safe to say that in the morning I woke up really hungover. I do remember meeting him, yeah. which was lucky because it was earlier on in the night. Yeah. And then I, I was very much predominantly on Twitter at the time. Um, I then got a DM from him. I was like, oh God, yeah, that was a guy in the bar. 
And I just reply back saying, thanks for the drink. Yeah. Uh, great to just meet be you. Polite. The end. And then he came back and I was like, ignore it. He came back. I ignore it. He came back. He's going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> but then we started chatting a little bit and then we exchanged numbers and then he was texting me and then he was texting me. And I was living, like my cousin was living with me at the time and we nicknamed him Mr. Persistent. I was about to say persistence wins. It was, yeah, really (laughs) persistent. And then I was like, all right, I'll meet up with you for for a coffee. We're going for a coffee, but you can come to me. I'll meet you in this town and we'll have coffee. And that is it. That is all we... So we had coffee and he really made me laugh. And it was like the first time I'd laughed in ages because I was Mm. going through such a crummy time. Um, And I just thought, oh, you know, he's he's a lovely guy and... Then we said, oh, well, let's go and get something to eat. We're both hungry. And then um, and then my cousin was having a party. Like she wanted to throw a party at our house and she had like some people over and like other friends had come over. At that part, at that time, I was going through a divorce, so all my mates were living with me. Yeah. <laughs> we were having... So I was like, oh, well, let's, uh, let's you know, come, come over. We're having a barbecue. Why don't you come back to mine? And then um, stayed over, nothing happened. We just met yeah. and then he he left and he went home. And then he, he stayed in touch and occasionally he'd be like, oh, should I come over? But I was just like, just, no, I'm, I'm just not in a headspace. I don't want yeah. a relationship. I'm not there. And then it wasn't until a year later, um, my dad had passed away. And I remember on uh, the day of his funeral, he'd, Sam had sent me a message just saying how much he was thinking of me. Um, mm. And and we weren't we weren't even that close of friends but I just remember just thinking, wow, God, I can't believe his message to say yeah. this. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was like quite a moment that took me back. Um, and then it wasn't until probably a year after, um, maybe yeah, about eight months after my dad had died, that um, he we hadn't spoken um, from that time he messaged me on my dad's funeral till about eight months later that he'd sent me a message of his mate naked in the shower. Right, now get this. This is like, it's not normal. So what I did is like, his mate was obviously covering his bits. But obviously they were out on a lad's party or something. And he'd taken a picture. And I think what he'd done is he'd sent it to his entire phone book as a, like a... a oh my God. Oh, that's such a boy thing to do. God, I know. Such lads, lads, lads. Um, so yeah, I received this message. And I was like, why in the hell has he sent me that? And then he texted, I'm so... Sorry, <laughs> I've sent you this message. And then we got talking. I was like, I just thought it was hilarious. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, it's so nice to hear his voice. That's so, like, just really nice. And then he turned 30 and then he'd kind of got back in contact and said, oh, you know, do you want to go out for dinner? I was like, yeah, do you actually, do you want to, do you want to come over to, a, uh, to mine and we'll go to the cinema and we'll spend the weekend together? And then that was it. There was no going back. Literally, we got together. It was amazing. And 10 years later, here we are. Still engaged, not married. Doesn't matter. I know. (laughs) Still together. It's such a brilliant story. And have you ever asked him when he first saw, because obviously he liked you, he was Mr. Mm -hmm. Persistent, but did he feel like something when he first met you I mean I'm guessing the answer is yes for, for you it obviously grew but did yeah. he kind of feel that you were someone special when he first met you well he doesn't admit this but I very 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 vividly recall him saying that 
oh my God, I think you're the most beautiful girl in the world. And he's like, no one never said that. I was like, you did. <laughs> he knows he did. He just doesn't want to admit it. I know. Um, and do you think your paths would have crossed if you'd never had gone to that bar that night? Well, I think about this a lot. I really do. Um, because we've got, again, the most amazing child together who lights up our life. He's the boss of the house. He's certainly been sent to test us. Uh, yeah. And we just I just can't see my life without Sam he's my soulmate. he really is like you know we just get it you know mm-hmm. I've just never kind of had this this kind of relationship with anybody before um and so I all often do reflect back on that because it, it would kill me to think that if I hadn't gone to that bar would we have ever met but the, the so the the bonkers thing with this is that his best friend works in radio he's a radio producer yeah and actually produced my ex-husband's show which is just a really small world so Sam had actually met my ex-husband and had gone out for drinks with him later then we got together which is really weird so potentially because his best friend's in the business there might have been somewhere that we might have met along the way but I certainly think we were meant to meet so if I wasn't to have gone out that night kicking and screaming it would have been Um, another time they have yeah I think we were meant to be together definitely yeah and I love this moment as well because it it makes you really think about even just you know when you think should I send someone a text shall I not Mm. and even just you know when he sent you a text when your dad had died you know Mm. him just doing that those small little things can make a very big difference to where your relationship with someone can go he Um, was planting a seed to make our relationship blossom he really was and every now and again I would get a little reminder that I'm here and I'm meant for you. Um, so you need to exactly start listening. That. Grow exactly your that. life will make you grow. Yes. Yeah. And another observation that I've made about you is, again, it's very much like everything else. You weren't, when you're, the pressure's off for you and you're not looking yeah. for someone, all yeah. these amazing things happen to you. I know, note to self, I need to constantly listen back to this <laughs> yeah. podcast to remind myself of that. Oh, so 100%. Um, so again, just to ask you, do you, you know, when you, cause you said you nearly didn't go out, you were going out kicking and screaming, you've kind of answered it, but with that small decision that you made, do you kind of ever think about if you hadn't have gone that night and you do, do you think, yes, you would have met him? I do. I do think we were meant to be together. I think he would have been sent my way in some, in some other way. I really, really do. Um, and I dread to think, I definitely, I I had to listen that he was the right person for me because I was obviously desperately going, please just send me the person I'm meant to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, because I clearly didn't have um, the ability to find them myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much. I could chat to you for so much longer, but yeah, thank too. you so much, everything. And for anyone listening, please go and look out for the Happy Health Club. And yeah. if like, there's so many amazing things on there, um, I'm so excited to see kind of where your journey takes you. And I'm so glad that you found something that is your kind of life passion and purpose. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. Honestly, I just, it's been a wonderful chat. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I could talk all day about these things. <laughs> Me too. Um, really good. Oh, thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.